0: You are listening to the Adoption and Fertility Finance Show, where we prepare you financially for adoption or fertility. Navigating the waters financially for adoption and fertility can be intimidating, and your host, Laura Coleman, knows that firsthand. After spending $35,000 for IVF and adopting three children, she's made it her mission to help other couples realize their dream by living their financial life with intention. Today's podcast episode is being sponsored by the Adoption and Fertility Grant Success Course. Learn step-by-step instructions on how to create a successful adoption or fertility grant. You can find more information at familymoneycoaching.org and click on shop. Hope all of you are having a fabulous holiday season. Today's episode is a repost. I was interviewed on Sheepdog Financial with Scott Vance. It is dedicated to our service members and all of the issues that surround them. In this particular episode, we talk about the special programs that are available to service members in regards to fertility and adoption, things that they need to be aware of. So if you know someone who is in our country's military i want you to send this episode to them have them listen to it and let them know that there are their programs and hopes and opportunities for them in regards to fertility and adoption so stay tuned for the sheepdog financial with scott vance where i was a guest on his show Welcome to Sheepdog Financial. You will get answers to your financial questions. Learn to plan for your financial future and have the type of life that people dream of. Brought to you by Trishley Financial Advising, a fiduciary financial advisor practice focused on military members and their finances. Your host of Sheepdog Financial is Scott Vance.
1: Today on Sheepdog Financial, we have Laura Coleman, Laura is an adoption and fertility expert. Her passion to assist couples in navigating this tough road was born out of personal experience. Listen in as she gives advice as to how to take advantage of the tax breaks and grants associated with adoption and fertility. And make sure to listen in later on as she discusses the role that personal finance has to play in the adoption and fertility process. Laura, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So we're going to talk a little bit about adoption and fertility. So how would you get into this topic?
0: I got married about eight and a half years ago, always wanted to be a mom and my husband and I got married later. I was 34. He was 40. So when I got married, I was like, okay, listen, honey, I want to have kids right away. And he's like, totally fine. I was like, I want to have three kids before I'm 40. And, And then we're good. I'm good with three. He's like, okay, I'm cool with that too. So about six months into our marriage, not pregnant, went to the doctor and the doctor's like, everything looks good. You know, everything looks fine. So it took me six months to persuade my husband to go into the doctor. Mm-hmm. And after a year, the doctor's like, okay, you guys have male infertility, which one in eight couples have fertility issues. And 50% of them are a male factor infertility. We- oh,
1: it's even, that's not very often that is. it's even too. <laughs>
0: So it was, it was really difficult on us to all of a sudden go, oh my gosh. So we sat down with a fertility doctor and he's like, okay, listen, it's going to be $17,500 to do IVF. And at the time, about um, a month after we found this, my husband lost his job. And so like, I was so depressed and thinking I'm never going to have children or this is going to be impossible. And so we both ended up getting jobs because I had moved from another state to Tennessee and when we got married. And so started we both started working and I opened up a savings account that I called the baby and started putting money in there. And then once it got to a certain amount, I started funneling money into our health savings account. And we did three IVF attempts and they were unsuccessful. And, and about that time, a friend of ours has a granddaughter and we started, she started living with us. She was 14 months old at the time. And about two and a half months later, we had a conversation of like, hey, she's been living with us for two and a half months. We would love to adopt her. If you want to continue to be grandparents, we would love to welcome you as an additional set of people in our lives and parents, you'll be grandparents. And so they agreed upon that. And so we adopted her. And then we did two more uh, um, IVF attempts and got pregnant on the fifth time. We were super, super excited, told everybody and their dog. And at nine weeks, I had a miscarriage and it was determined that I have something called lupus anticoagulant, which only exhibits itself during pregnancy, supposedly it's genetic, even though I have uh, five siblings, three sisters, and one has eight children, one has four, and the other one has two. And so, you know, wow. none of them had ever experienced miscarriages. So it was never on my mind, nor our doctor's mind that I could possibly have this blood clotting disorder. So that was $35,000 down the tube. <laughs> and then we had started foster care classes um, because we were hoping to be able to adopt our daughter's sister, but that did not happen, um, was not meant to be. Mm -hmm. And DCS called us three months after the miscarriage and they're like, hey, there was this baby that was born this morning. He has a 22-month-old brother. Would you like to have them? The 22-month-old's been in foster care for eight months, and they're on the adoption track. And we're like, yes. So we picked up the youngest when he was two days old from the hospital, and when 15 months later we finalized their adoption, which, by the way, was five days before my 40th birthday. So we it's a nice now, <laughs> I know, I was like, we I, we had a huge celebration for my 40th birthday and Very cool. flash adoption party. <laughs> So my wish of becoming a mom and having three kids before I was 40 happens, but not in the way that I had really anticipated. Mm -hmm. I'm a very social person. I talk to people. And when I first found out I had fertility, I was kind of closed minded about it. I was very tight because I was really a little embarrassed. Then I realized that I was becoming depressed about it. And the more I talked about it, the more I realized that this was my mission in life to tell people about adoption and fertility, and that it's there's nothing to be embarrassed about. And so about a year and a half ago, as a financial coach, I I started thinking about all the financial knowledge that I have. And I've been helping people with their finances, why, why not tunnel that down a path that I already love talking about. And that's when my vision of having a podcast, preparing couples financially for adoption came up. And so that's, that's kind of a little bit of a story about how I started down this path and working with the military service members like I have for six years. Right. There's so many awesome resources that are out there and I'd love to tell you all about them.
1: Well, yeah, I guess I probably should have brought up the fact that you're a AFC, right? Accredited yes. financial counselor. Yes. And yeah. so, for, real quickly out there, so for my listeners, what is, exactly is that?
0: A accredited financial counselor is extremely. It was. It was a really hard test. Mm-hmm. Probably almost as hard as the series sixty three, which I took like twenty years ago. <laughs> but but um, it's so it's an accreditation. I get to put a little initials after my name, and every year I have to do fifteen hours of continuing education. And there's a governing body, so we have you know integrity that we have to live up to. And the governing body is AFCPE. You know, yeah, you don't need to have initials after your name to be a financial coach, but for me. I felt that that was really important that would give me uh, some professionalism and knowledge and show people like, hey, I do understand and know about money.
1: Just gives you some almost like rank.
0: Right. Exactly. I'm not a private anymore.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) For the listeners out there, you can find these AFCs through the Army programs, RSA Army because I'm retired from the Army, but military programs, military family life counselors, I think. Is where you find them or anywhere on post that they have the uh, family support programs. And they
0: them. have a, a military spouse program. So if there's a military spouse that is interested in becoming an accredited financial counselor, AFCPE has mill spouse programs to like, help pay for it. You know, that's really nice.
1: I just wanted to point that out real quick before we got too far down the road because uh, I don't think I've ever talked about AFC counselors in any of my podcasts so far. So you gave me that opportunity there. So coming back to the story, you had adopted three children and yep. then as you started your podcast and you've got a coaching business focusing on adoption, fertility, getting ready, finances ready for life. Why do give us a quick overview of adoption and fertility? So where we are as far as law, anything coming up on the horizon. I know foreign adoption, my experience, I spent some Time in Kathmandu Nepal, working at the embassy, and there were a lot of issues with the foreign adoption going on and yeah. process and stuff there.
0: So, if you are looking to do an international adoption, you need to choose an agency that is Hague accredited. And let's say that you're in the military, you're deployed, or you're in the process of adopting and all of a sudden, you're going to be deployed. So you can grant a power of attorney to your spouse that will help you to continue with that adoption process because you don't want to stop it. It might be two or three years before you are actually matched with a child. And so all of a sudden, you're gone for 11 months, 10, 11, 12 months, you know, somewhere in there. And you're like, Oh, man, more (laughs) time, you know. And so, you know, you don't need to stop the the clock you can say okay i'm gonna give power of attorney over to my spouse we can continue with this okay and- and you really need to have a power of attorney anyway when you're deployed but if especially if you are going through adoption and then you can now after an adoption is actually finalized if you receive orders that you are going to be deployed you can actually defer your deployment by 4 months and that's after an adoption is actually finalized so and then if you are living foreign and you can adopt domestically and internationally but you need to make sure that you obtain Visas and passports for the child. Okay, so that's really important to make sure you have that.
1: Okay, so like if you were living in I don't know Germany and you adopted a child in the U.S., you'd have to get a visa to bring them into Germany. Is that? Yeah, kind
0: of- I mean you got to make sure you 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 can bring a US child into Germany. I mean, you know, just there's a thing called um, an ICPC, which when you're living in the States, the other state has to give permission for you to travel legally across the state lines with that child. Okay. And what
1: what does ICPC stand for?
0: So ICPC stands for interstate compact for the placement of children. And that's when you are living in Tennessee and you need to go to Georgia to pick up the child. Georgia has to communicate with Tennessee and say, okay, this child is approved to leave the state. And each, I have some friends that have done the interstate adoptions. Right. And it can be anywhere from 10 days to three weeks to a month. And so it really just depends upon if there's a holiday if the states are communicating with each other, so
1: and I imagine I would think that that's partially to help keep child smuggling or or
0: right keep, right right
1: keep that down to. And I would only imagine if you're going to go international that that becomes an even more stringent requirement.
0: Right now, um, one of the things that like I do with clients is helping them with the financial aspect of things. So when you go do an ICPC, like have you budgeted money? To go and do that, you're going to be staying in a state, and you are going to have to pay for hotel or Airbnb. Um, You need travel that to that place is airfare, renting a car. You're going to need to pay for food. Like, do you have a travel budget in place? So, I created this adoption financial planner, and the. In each of the tabs, like there's an adoption budget and a travel budget and like what you need to be make sure that you're setting aside money for specifically and, you know, making sure that you have all your contact information in the same place and making sure that you're estimating how much money you think this is going to cost. And with the military, like one of the things that I was always so surprised is that I would ask service members like, Hey, did you use a military discount? And they're like, Oh no, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Like, why are you not using these discounts? Like, there are some really amazing things, like uh, some there's some different um, like there's a AF Vacation Club, military.com discounts, USAA travel deals, uh, United Military Travel. Those are just a couple of places. I know I'm sure you know of some more places that people can go for travel discounts. Yep. So like paying for your hotel. And why are you not asking for those military discounts? So if you're already active duty or a reservist, like are you showing your military ID so you can receive those discounts? And especially when you're you're, you're flying and you're staying somewhere for like three weeks, like those discounts.
1: So you talked a little bit about money too and not knowing much about adoption. I've heard about adoption agencies. Is yeah. that a recommended way that you would say to do it? I My understanding of it is you pay somebody to help you adopt the child as opposed to going through the I guess the state channels. Right. Does that
0: make sense or is so that help? Yeah, so our daughter was considered a private adoption and we paid for an attorney and for a home study. Those were the fees and, and of course the court costs, the you know, filing fees and stuff which were extremely minimal. So mm-hmm. her her adoption only cost us $2700. Okay. And on the flip side, a friend of mine Lives in St. Louis, and she she's actually adopted quite a few four kids. And one of their first adoptions, they used an adoption kind of like a headhunter. They paid thirty thousand dollars for for wow. a a domestic adoption, and um a lot of those were fee for the fact that there was an attorney in the state the child was residing in, mm-hmm. and then the attorney in the state that they were residing in. So that it was kind of like a double double whammy there. Right, and then they had to pay for um, birth mother expenses, which oh, goes yeah. to the adoption agency, and then they paid for the actual consultant. So there's ways to go away uh, around with it not having to be so expensive. And then our boys, because it was through foster care, DCS actually paid our attorneys. We we chose the same attorney that we had for our first adoption, mm-hmm. and and DCS paid her. And so that was really nice that it didn't cost us any money to, to finalize those two adoptions. Yeah. So, and one of the myths I hear a lot of people say is like, Oh, I'm in the military. I can't foster. And that's a falsehood. Okay. Um, you can be in the military and foster. So let, let's say that you PCS to an area and you know, okay, I'm going to be here for three years. You can start the foster care classes in the state that you're in and become licensed to foster. And one of the risks that you could happen is if you PCS to somewhere else. Let's say that you go to Germany, and that child cannot leave the state because you—they're not the adoption is not finalized, or they're still in foster care. There's no no uh, TPR termination of parental rights. So then you that child would then have to go to another foster family, but can adopt. And there's a there's a quite a few couples that I've met that have fostered and some have had some good experiences, some not so good experiences. Um, We Mm -hmm. had a great experience with foster care and it just really depends upon, you know, sometimes people um, are going through an experience and they think like, this is it. This is, this is, this is the door I'm supposed to be knocking on. Mm -hmm. And really it was just supposed to be a learning experience.
1: (laughs) So. Talking about military, being military, you're not near generally not near your family, your extended family. You're kind of constantly moving. Does that weigh negatively when adoption people make their choice? No.
0: I mean, people move all the time, clear across the country for jobs.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. And
0: really, you know, the thing I would say to that is create your own network. It's not easy being parents without a network. You know, like especially if you're if you're working. And it's like, okay, like, I, I need some help. I need someone who I can rely on. Okay, well, who's your network? Who's your tribe? Who can you find that can be the grandparents? You know, mm-hmm. I, have, I have a friend, she has four kids um, here in Tennessee, and she's originally from Nebraska, and she has adopted some of the older people in our community And I see on Facebook all the time, like, Oh, so-and-so went with her granddaughter or with her, her daughter for grandparents day. And Mm -hmm. so it's creating that community, even though they're not blood. Right. And, and I think that's really um, important um, is creating that network of people for you, but yes, it's it's, people move all the time. You know, Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm originally from Illinois. (laughs) I've had to create my own network of people in Tennessee because it you know it is intimidating, but you find the people that you can trust that you can rely on. And for example, after my husband and I adopted our three kids, our middle child has some struggles. And okay. I was going to school and I, I was just like I was I'm a religious person. So I was praying about I need to find a babysitter so that my husband and I can go on dates because honestly, like this is really challenging. So the last day of school, he went to a school to help with his developmental delay. Mm-hmm. And his preschool teacher's like, hey, I know this is kind of weird, but I just thought I would just tell you that I'd be interested in babysit for your kids if you ever need a babysitter. <laughs> and I just wanted to like, reach over and give her a huge hug. Number one, she understood his special needs. Right. He understood how to handle him and, and what he was going through. And so I was like, you're hired. I, oh my gosh, you have mm-hmm. no idea. And- she is a Mary Poppins. She comes with a bag full of like amazing activities and and sand, kinesthetic sand and painting and coloring and they go on little nature walks and they find like bugs. Nice. Um, and she's like such an amazing babysitter. My husband and I are like, oh my gosh, we love Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, you know, was searching, actually searching for that group of people to help me be sane. Number one, to develop that relationship with my spouse and keep that marriage alive. And and I found her. And I would never have asked my my son's teacher to to watch my children. I and it would never have occurred to me. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm re- I really feel that people just need to ask. Oh,
1: you know, even myself, I have thoughts of doing stuff and it's just, it's a fleeting thing. But if somebody would have asked me, it would have spurred it, I guess. Right. <laughs> so we've kind of ignored the fertility side and talk yeah. and now turn a little bit towards money. I was really surprised at how much fertility costs.
0: Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. And, you know, you could do IUIs, which are less invasive. Doesn't cost, you know, maybe under a thousand dollars, but you know, what if it costs you seven times to do IUI before you're successful? And for us, like we did a natural cycle IVF for the first three times, just where you just get the one egg. And then we finally, like, we created multiple streams of income. That's how we saved up the money. And through so through those multiple streams of income, like I had a rental house, my husband had interest in a business. Mm-hmm. Um, we both were working full-time jobs and then we sold some things and that's how we funded our IVF. And so we finally saved up enough for the, the full IVF cycle. Now, looking back on it, time is what like caused me to do the, the natural cycle and mm-hmm. money because like, I have a hard time spending money. Yeah, And, and so if I had just said, okay, listen, I'm, I'm going to just do the full cycle, just Save up the money. Like, yeah, it's gonna take us a year and a half to do it, but just save up the money. Mm-hmm. I would have done that. And then I also would have done a frozen transfer instead of a fresh transfer. Because it wasn't until we actually did a frozen transfer that I got that I got pregnant. Because your your body has so much drugs in it, you're you're really <laughs> miserable. And and so I that's what I would do is just have saved up for the full blown IVF, mm-hmm. gotten the eggs, gotten them fertilized, froze them. And then maybe two months later after my, my body is recuperated, then actually do the frozen transfer. That's what the, that I would do hindsight, but hindsight's the best site, you know?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. With fertility treatments, is there any breaks as far as taxes or anything like that that goes along with it? Grants or anything like that?
0: Yes. Yes. So I have a list of grants. I have 80 adoption grants and 20 fertility grants. And there is specific military grants um, that can help you with uh, IVF and and adoption. If you are a service member, there's this program called compassionate care program and eligible active veteran or retired U.S. military can receive a minimum of 25% off and you can get up to 50 to 75% off. When my husband and I did the full cycle IVF, we used the compassionate care program and we received 50% off. And that was a huge blessing because the medication for that full cycle is five grand. Wow. So it only cost us twenty five hundred. So, woo, woo, you know, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and what I what I ended up doing was I used my credit card to purchase everything and to pay for the um, the doctor. Like, the money was already saved up, but I used my points to then cash those in, and my husband and I would go on dates because you really need to go on dates during this whole experience. Right. Super, 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 super stressful. And so that's one program to help pay for the, the medication. And then of course, the grants, I'll give you the link for the adoption grants and the fertility grants okay. apply for. And it's, a, it's just a free download that I have. And then there's, you know, some military service members, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, it's Margarelli uh, fertility in Colorado and they'll actually pay for your sperm freezing. It's a free freezing of your sperm for active duty service members. Okay. So that's um was kind of a, one super nice blessing for people. Mm-hmm. I already talked a little bit about the adoption reimbursement. One of the things that I did is I kept track of every time I traveled down to the fertility doctor, I kept mm-hmm. the mileage. Yes. And then every time anything that had to do with fertility, like the sperm freezing, the egg transfer or the egg um freezing, because we um froze some eggs for the next time. Right. the medical doctor, the medication, all of that. I kept track of all of that. And then when I went to file my taxes, we, we, we had, you know, two cycles for IVF within that year period of time. And if you, at, well, at the time, it was seven and a half percent of your for medical needs. And so I was able to claim yeah. that on my taxes.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like one of the first people I've ever really heard Able yeah, to that deduction. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: that's what I did, and then I also utilized the health savings account. Which, if you yes. are on Tricare, you're not eligible for a health savings account. Yes, you could look at um, possibly a, a flexible spending account, but you got to make sure you're you know paying that off. You know, excuse me, not paying it off, but utilizing it mm-hmm. in the year that you have it. So that's just a little caution there to think about.
1: Well, yeah. So talking a little bit about, so what kind of questions would you look for? To ask your CPA or tax preparer as you're getting into tax season, if you're in the middle of an adoption or considering adoption?
0: Yeah. So I did a podcast interview with our CPA and he d- did 20 tax questions. He answered 20 tax questions to ask your CPA. Okay. <laughs> and one of the things that I, he has suggested for us to do was we had a traditional IRA and right. so you you can claim the adoption tax credit and it it is is uh, non-refundable. So whereas a child tax credit is refundable. And so if you have a special needs adoption, so we did, we had no expenses for our boys, but we got to claim $26,000. And that was because it was a special needs adoption. And so what we did was we've rolled over our Traditional IRA into our Roth IRA and went ahead and took the tax hit. Yep. And the adoption tax credit wiped out that amount of money. That's good. And then we still got a tax return because of the child tax credit is refundable, so we got that. Yeah. Money. So yeah. that was just one of the things. Um, and then keeping track of the money that so in regards to either adoption or fertility, it's just keeping track of everything. Yes. It's travel somewhere if you. Spend money on food, if you spend money on the hotel, any money that is associated with the adoption, keep track of it so that you can claim it on your taxes. And your accountant, I I highly recommend using an accountant when you're going through the adoption process and afterwards, because yeah, it's great to file a 1040 easy, but you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you you know, it's easy, right? But once you add that added layer of claiming and uh, understanding what you can claim and, and the income exclusions that are associated with your adoption tax credit. What's categorized as special needs. Yep, Is this particular, can I use it? And this year, how long, how many years can I use this adoption tax credit? So you can push it forward up to five, uh, five years. And um,
1: that's like a Jedi mind trick right there is using the refundable versus non-refundable and then transferring money to a Roth to take advantage of all the refundable or, excuse me non refundable plus the refundable which I know I'm probably speaking Greek to most people but right that takes <laughs> that's like juggling I don't know twelve knives that that would I mean just missing one little thing would put you were in a situation where you would lose potentially a lot of money
0: right and the other thing I recommend is doing a year end tax review and some tax planning because you <laughs> It, like, let's say it's like October, November of the year, your adoption is finalized. This is the year you finally get to claim everything. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, will we actually be able to claim that adoption tax credit? Like, let's do some planning here over the next couple months. So that if we need to move money somewhere, so we can take advantage of that. Um, how are we going to do that? Do we need to make sure we're, we're setting aside money somewhere else? So it's just, you know, making sure that you are utilizing every aspect of your taxes to claim it. So I, I definitely recommend having that year end tax planning, like October, November, December, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And, and then just a couple of, questions you um, asked. And so for example, can I claim the child before the adoption is finalized? So if the baby is born in September and you brought him home from the hospital, can you claim that child? And then if you have a toddler and you adopt a toddler, can you claim them on your tax return? And the answer is yes for one and no for the other one. It depends actually upon what time of the year that child came to you. So if you adopt a toddler in April and that child does live with you for six months, yes, you can claim that child on your tax return because they came to you in April and they are living with you for the remaining like nine months. hmm But if that child came to you in September, then you can't claim them. Yes. Even though you're adopting them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then talking about, you know, adopting from foster care, if there's no adoption expenses, are you eligible for the adoption tax credit? And can you claim a child that is in foster care on your tax return? And I do, I have a preparing financially for adoption course that I've been building. It's supposed to launch November 1st. But I have a couple of forms inside there in regards to, let's say the child has a social security number or doesn't have a social security number and you're planning on adopting. And then once that child is adopted, making sure that they have a social security number. So there's a form you can fill out that that allows this child to be claimed, even if they don't have a social security number. So Okay. Speak a little bit about social security
1: number, how do you, you know, kids coming from adoption situations might be in a situation where the former parent wants to take advantage of that social security number. How do you protect and their security?
0: So the first thing I did because of my background in financial coaching, I made sure that as soon as, so you submit your adoption papers and you receive a new birth certificate with the child's new name and your name's listed as parents. As soon as I got that, I went to the social security office to change not only their name, but also their social security number.
1: Oh, you can do that. I you didn't know you could change that. your social security number. Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. For a child under the age of 12. Okay. So, you know, going in there and I, you have to provide them your adoption tax papers and the new birth certificate mm-hmm. and just check mark why you want to do it. Adoption. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's And so the, to me, I've met enough people in my lifetime who've had their identity stolen Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to have my children experience that like, oh, I'm 19 years old and I have terrible credit because someone has run up a bunch of credit card debt. And gosh, I have some animosity towards my uh, first mom or first dad because- stolen my identity so you know that's I didn't want them to have that experience and I didn't know who had access to that you know there's caseworkers, and there's court people and yeah. and you know there's former foster parents and so there's so many people who have access to that do I trust that everyone's going to be honest with that child I don't know Right, And so I didn't want to take that risk. And so I just changed their name and their social security number.
1: Well, yeah, that's like, I'd recommend to a lot of my clients that if they have children, that they potentially freeze their credit. Cause we're seeing clients come through that they get to the time to go to college or high school and they go to take a loan and realize that somebody has been working off their credit for years. And now they're Without even doing anything, there they'll be able to give them a loan for anything until they. Exactly. Freezing that credit will help prevent that.
0: Now, one of the things loans. I want to talk a little bit about loans, if you wouldn't mind. So I know it's super tempting to borrow money for adoption and fertility. Like, like I get it because you have this almost a sense of panic. Like right. I'm never going to be able to have children. I'm 39 years old and your t- your clock is ticking. And and um, so I, I know that there is definitely a temptation to borrow money, but I would caution you from borrowing all of the money. Okay. You have to pay that money back. Right. And if you are borrowing money from your retirement account, like let's say you're a reservist and you have a 401k somewhere else and you go to borrow that money, well, you have to pay that money back. And let's say you decide, you know what, I want to leave that company. Well, you have a loan with that 401k and you have six months to pay that sucker back. And the other caution is right now, you both might be working to save every single penny that you have to pay for adoption or fertility. Right. Once you have that child in your care, will you continue to both work or will one of you stop working to care for that child? Can you afford that payment? with just one income. And and that is just a, a big caution I, I talk to people about. Yes, you know, let's say that you have $20,000 already saved up and you get the call, "Hey, you can be placed with a child tomorrow, but you need to make sure you have the remainder of $2,500 or $5,000, whatever it is, by tomorrow." And you're like, oh "My God how are we going to pay for this? Like, okay, put that into your spending plan. Can you afford to pay that $5,000 back? When could you have it paid back? Is it going to be a huge burden for you? And in that instance, once you've thought about how much money you're going to need and what the payment is, then yeah, you could borrow that. But I wouldn't borrow all $25,000 because it could be a, a huge financial burden to you and super stressful. You know, in regards to just saying this personally, If I had borrowed $35,000 to do fertility and then had the miscarriage like I did, and then I continued to make the payments on that $35,000, that would be so bitter. Mm -hmm. And I would resent it. And it would really cause some major contention in our marriage. I, I guarantee it would have. Because every time you make that payment, you think about it. I could have been a mom. You have this sense of like anger towards that money. Right. And so that's another caution that I would say, hey, you know, don't, don't borrow all of that money. If you, if you need it because you're running up against like, hey, you're gonna be placed tomorrow or okay, we're ready now, consider that, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying Caution, beware, Mama Laura is coming out. That's just a little something to think about. Mm-hmm. And then also fun fundraisers, there's some awesome fundraisers out there that you can use to save up money. I have some uh, free downloads for that of ideas of people are like, um, what are some fun ways we could raise money? I interviewed a first sergeant and she rented her house out for Airbnb. And then she also had an international student live with her and she took that money to pay for fertility. I was like, man, that's awesome. What a great idea. Like it's passive enough that, you know, here she has a first sergeant and, you know, active duty. So, okay, her time's occupied. So she can't necessarily come up with a second job. Right, right. Definitely utilize the assets that she has, which was her home.
1: You could potentially almost make your home no cost to you if you rented enough.
0: Right, right.
1: I've heard of people doing that as well, renting out a half a home or whatever. And tenants pay the whole note and all the insurance. They just kind of live there for free with the tenants. Exactly. Talk a little bit, you know, you've planned for the immediate future of working through the adoption. What kind of long-term type family planning is it? pretty much the same as traditional planning yeah. or you, I mean yeah. I would imagine there's some differences with adopted or
0: So um once we finalized our adoptions I made sure that we had a will set up and I went to my siblings and determined this is the sibling that I want and I I talked to my older brother and asked him if he and his wife could be the guardians of our children if something were to happen to my husband and I Right And make sure that that was put in the will. And then one of the things, like especially if you have a special needs adoption, if that child receives Social Security, they cannot have assets in their name. So you need to make sure you set up a trust and name the trust as the beneficiary of any life insurance. Because if that money goes to that child, then it will affect them being able to receive any disability. Yep. That's another thing to make sure that you're aware of Mm -hmm. and having your children after the adoption, you know, is it an open adoption? Is it a closed adoption? Like I have kept all of the documents from court because I believe in connection with your family. Obviously in our case, it's not a good situation for the birth parents. It's not a safe situation, I guess I should say, and so it is not encouraged to have that open relationship with the birth parents at this time. But with our with our daughter, you know, her grandparents and I air quote adopted our boys and consider them their grandsons, and they come (laughs) over for holidays and birthdays and Christmas and and Mother's Day and birthday. I mean, just they're actively involved. Like, hey, Sunday dinner, come on over and. And so that um I you know making sure that that you have that uh into the will. So if you do or don't want birth family to be involved, make sure you put that in there so that whoever has receives custody of your children after you pass, you know, that they will continue to honor your request or your desires in regards to that. But other than that, everything is pretty normal in regards to estate planning and legal issues and things like that.
1: I would imagine if you're going to run into, I think of adopting a child, maybe at some point the parents, can the blood parents, I guess, come back at some point and try to get the child back?
0: Not after termination of parental rights. Not
1: after it's, okay. So I guess that's probably not an issue then.
0: Yeah. And Plan. once, you know, once the adoption's final, it's final. Okay. But there, you know, there's a large movement of open adoption, you know, wanting to have that, that connection with your birth family. And I admire like so many people who do have that relationship, children are not harmed by too much love. And so if you, if that person is, is a safe person and, and you know that, that they, they're not into drugs or violence or things like that, Mm -hmm. then, you know, having that relationship like that child's not gonna be harmed by having too much love. And yeah, you're going to have to deal with maybe some emotions of maybe some insecurities, but deal with it. I definitely experienced those insecurities at first with my daughter. But after I overcame those feelings of insecurity, it was like, this is great. This is fine. And I am friends with the grandparents and and, and an aunt. And, um, you know, so it, it's really a great opportunity for our daughter to feel still feel connected with her first family.
1: Makes sense. So as we're closing out, what, what final piece of advice could you give to somebody going through adoption?
0: Make sure you uh, set some goals when you want to accomplish it by and how much money you need to accomplish that goal. And then create multiple sources of income to be able to accomplish that. I totally believe in debt-free adoption. I totally believe in debt-free fertility. And I know it can happen and it does take some work, but you and your spouse are a team and you are there for each other. Create a weekly money date so that you can be sure that you're on the same page with each other and that you're reaching your financial goals. And again, make sure you're having those weekly date nights so that you keep the romance alive. hmm I got to say, it's not very fun during fertility.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine.
0: When, when it has to happen. You know? <laughs> so, so you know, creating that open communication with your spouse so that the contention is lessened and mm-hmm. making sure that you are strengthening that relationship that you have together. You're a team. And as you add children, it's going to get even more stressful because, the, there's going to be, you know, needs like staying up late, you know, waking up every two hours. And, you know, if you are a team, it's like, okay, we can do this together.
1: Yeah, that's good advice, just in general as well. Um, you know, read up more about you, obviously, probably listen to your
0: podcast. Yeah. So my website is familymoneycoaching.org. And I get super duper excited when people follow me on Instagram or Facebook, which is at familymoneycoaching. And like, I really like almost do a little dance when I see like I got a new father. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, all right. You know, so I get pretty excited when people do that. And then, you know, listening to my podcast, some great interviews that we've had about, you know, interviewed a CPA about, you know, the questions that you need to answer. Uh, have answered by CPA, protecting your child's credit, how other people have actually raised the funds for adoption and fertility, because that's a huge question on people's minds. And I am launching a second season. So I have about a dozen that I've taped and we'll be launching again on November 1st for national adoption month you know talking about our health savings accounts and how to utilize that and understanding life insurance and protecting your special needs child and their their financial future and so those are some of the topics that we've had and, you know some people who have saved up money and why they've saved up the money and how how they've done it so I'm really very excited about the second season for the podcast
1: Thanks for coming on the show. We'll make sure to link to your podcast and website in the show notes.
0: Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks.
1: Have a good day. Thanks to Laura for bringing this often misunderstood topic to the listeners of the Sheepdog Financial Podcast. If you would like to contact Laura, please look her up on our website at familymoneycoaching.org. Check out the show notes as there's some resources there to help you in your adoption and fertility goal. Thanks again to Laura and thanks again to you listeners for listening to the show.
0: Thank you for listening to Sheepdog Financial. Visit us online at TrishLeeFinancialAdvising.com for more military-centered financial resources.